Well, folks, it's you, Deeps here. It's Jerry Adams here, Arish. And Morris Grad, Tatsula Gumsa, Gowil Shibsha, Gumoy. I've got to say that I've really been enjoying looking at all those wee words and phrases that we use here locally, and many of them not any longer in use. And it's just, uh, I just get a bit of a, a kick out of finding out or rediscovering little bits and pieces of what really are our oral oral history. But uh, more than that, it's when people would say to you, when you bump into people in the street, and, and they say to you, uh, oh, did you, did you get that word or... Here, here's another word. So, uh, this week I, I had very little work to do on this theme because my old pal, Tom Hartley, gave me uh, a copy of a lovely wee book, Munchieisms, which is made up of such words and phrases. And the Munchies, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a rural parish on the shores of Loch Ney. It's just west of... Uh, Lorgan, I remember Avislag and Brandon, Brandon Corn from that uh, neck of the woods about the munchies, when I didn't even myself have a clear notion of what the munchies or where the munchies uh, was and is. So this little dictionary is called Munchieisms and uh, it's, it's Ulster dialect words and phrases collected by William Lutton and edited by Francis Joseph Bigger. And Bigger calculates that approximately 25% of the words in Luton's collections are of purely Gaelic origin. Now, Bigger himself is worthy of a little bio all on his own, and I, I will return to this in the near future. Suffice to say that he was a formidable patron of the arts, including the Irish language and music, and he was a founder member of the Belfast branch of Conrad and Gilga in 1895. He was a lawyer, very active in Irish literary, theatre and musical circles, and his home, Ardree, 737 Antrim Road, was a meeting place for others of similar views, including Roger Casement. So here's a, a small sample of some of the words collected by William Luton. Now, my, my version, or Gumbel my edition of this book was published in 1976. It was reprinted by the Linen Hall Library, but the original uh, print was in 1923. Uh, so, it's a lovely wee memento. And Gormagat, Tom. So, the words. Amadon. Not spelt as we would spell it nowadays. A thoughtless person, axe, to ask. Adam self, as in not Adam self, meaning he's unwell. Baron, except, that is, ah, they were all there, barring one. All except one. Blatter, a loud noise. It's a word Martin McGinnis used to use. Boast, hollow. Uh... Bowl, bold, box day, it was a, a dish, boxes, 
uh, Gallagher's Boxney House in in, uh, in Dublin. I don't know if it's still going, but it used to be. Their Leitrim people used to be a, a favourite stopping off point again for Martin McGuinness and myself with him a few times when we were down for an Ardash. But Boxdale is a, it's a dish, uh, a meal made of potatoes and flour or meal. <coughs> Bucky Briar, a, a wild rose. Sometimes you hear people talking about a Bucky rose. Cody, never heard the word before, a crafty wee boy. Cayley, to Cayley, a, a house visit to exchange news and stories and gossip. That's still, you know, well used around Tyrone particularly. Cheap, to chirp. Cleek, a slender hook made of wire. I'm very mindful that we used to have hoops on cleeks, the, the, uh, the metal rim of old bicycle wheels. With the spokes gone and the tires gone, of course, and then a cleek splicing out of uh, out of wire that 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 you use to guide propel the uh, the hoop, and then of course uh, my old friend Clicky Clark of his mother Bird Click or Clicky got his his name, and I'm going to go through this book and maybe come back God's verses in the new year and give you some more Munchisms, but. I said at the beginning of this little insert that you know, pe- people are, are giving me words. So here, here's a couple. Dunderhead, a stupid person. Galoot, a big, awkward, ignorant person. Shawneen, a derogatory term to describe a pro-English Irish person. From it's, it's from the Irish. Little John, as in John Bull. So a wee John Bull. The Scud. To bring bad luck on somebody, he, he put a scud on me, or he scudded me. Goddies, a woman give me this out of the blue. Training shoes or trainers. So, Shane, if you have any other, fuck on Marsh, if you have any other words like this, uh, and you want to keep them in circulation, just drop us a wee note or uh, come on, on to my Twitter account. So, go to me, the my Ugub Gilyar. On a more serious topic, the uh, the Sinn Féin building on the Falls Road at the corner of Sebastopol Street is internationally famous for its mural of Bobby Sands. But less well known is the fact that the building is dedicated to the memory of another Irish Republican, another patriot, Joe McKelvey, and his uh, framed photograph adorns the wall on the, the first floor procured by Padraig Wilson and put, put there in honour of Joe McKelvey. Both Bobby and Joe were in their 20s. Bobby was 27 when he died. Joe was 24. Both died in prison. Bobby, after 55 days on hunger strike in the prison hospital in Long Cash, where he was incarcerated by the British state, Joe was 24. He was one of four IRA volunteers shot to death by a Free State firing squad in the prison yard in Mountjoy Prison in 1922. And on the 8th of December, that was the centenary of his execution. He and Richard Barrett, uh, Liam Mallows, and Rory O'Connor. Now, Joe McKelvey was born in Stewartstown in County Tyrone, but he moved to Cypress Street in the Falls area as a teenager. 
He was a very committed Gael. He was a founder member of O'Donovan Rasa, common lower class Gael in 19 and 16. He had a keen interest in the Irish language. And those years around 16 and the build up to it were heady years. There was a cultural revival, the Irish volunteers and the Fianna, the Irish Citizens Army, common Amon had been established. The rising, of course, took place in Easter 1916. And then two years later, in 1918, the Irish people voted for independence, or at least a very large majority of us did. Uh, Joe McKelvey joined the IRA in Belfast and quickly rose through its ranks to become OC of the 1st Battalion in this city. And in 1921, a, a new structure was put together involving the creation of divisions, and Joe McKelvey, then age 23, was made OC of the 3rd Northern Division, which had responsibility for Belfast, most of County Antrim, and part of North Down. His time of as OC of the North, the 3rd Northern Division coincided with the partition of our island and the creation of the, the Northern and Southern States. And as Unionism, backed by the Tories, moved to consolidate its control of the North, sectarian violence was widespread. In July 1925, 5,000 Catholics were expelled from the shipyard. According to the Belfast Pogroms, 1920-22, a very important publication, this period was marked by unprecedented looting and burning of Catholic property. And over the next few years, this pattern was repeated. So these were the conditions under which Joe McKelvey organised and led the IRA in defence of nationalist uh, communities, Republican communities, and in pursuit of the Republic proclaimed on Easter 1916. He was, by all accounts, capable, intelligent, courageous, strongly anti-sectarian, and his leadership qualities were recognised and in the IRA convention in the Mansion House in October 1922, he was elected uh, to become IRA Assistant Chief of Staff. And in April of the same year, the anti-treaty IRA occupied the four courts in Dublin. And under pressure from the British government, the pro-treaty forces attacked them on June the 20th. And after three days of shelling, by the pro-treaty said, using artillery pieces provided by the British government, the IRA garrison surrendered. And uh, along with Joe McKelvey, other figures like Rory O'Connor, Liam Mellows, Richard Barrett, Ernie O'Malley, they were all imprisoned in Mountjoy. And Joe was appointed or elected as OC of the prisoners in Mountjoy by the prisoners. In the following months, the pro-treaty government introduced a public safety emergency powers bill called the Murder Bill, popularly, that established military courts and allowed the state to execute anyone found guilty of carrying arms. During this time, nine IRA volunteers were executed, including Erskine children, Childers, who had used his yacht to transport weapons for the rising in the host in 1914. In a total, in total, any one Republicans were summarily executed in the seven months between November 22 and May 23. That's those who were uh, 
executed officially by the new state. Over a hundred were also summarily, unofficially executed. On December the 6th, the new state had officially come into existence. And on that day, Sean Hales, a Free State TD, was shot dead in Dublin. The Free State Cabinet determined on an act of reprisal. Four prisoners, Joe McKelvey, Rory O'Connor, Liam Mellows and Richard Barrett, as I've said, were told they were to be moved. They were not initially told why, but eventually were given the type notice which stated, You are hereby notified that being a person taken in arms against the government, you will be executed as a reprisal for the assassination of Brigadier Sean Hales, TD. And it's a solemn, solemn warning to those associated with you who are engaged in a conspiracy of assassination against the representatives of the Irish people. On the morning of December the 8th, the four were taken to the prison yard, where only a few short years earlier, the leaders of 1916 had been executed by the British. There was no trial, no legal sentence. There were 20 in the firing squad and they were told to target specific individuals. But it's been reported that most fired at Rory O'Connor. In fact, it's said that so many bullets struck him that his coat caught fire. Joe McKelvey and Richard Barrett were still alive after the folly. Joe, who was still alive, shouted, For God's sake, finish me off. A pre-state army officer shot them as they lay wounded. The Civil War was part of a counter-revolution which ensured the imposition of partition, witnessed the abandonment of nationalists living in the north and the creation of two deeply conservative states on the island of Ireland. Liam Mallows, one of those executed that December morning, had earlier warned of the danger of accepting the treaty. In a speech in the treaty debates, Mallows had said, the time will inevitably come if the free state comes into existence when you will have a permanent government in the country and permanent governments in any country have it as late for being forced out and they will seek to fight their own corner before anything else. Men will get into positions, men will hold power, and men who get into positions and hold power will desire to remain undisturbed and will not want to be removed or will not take a step that will mean removal in case of failure. His remarks tragically were prophetically accurate. So my friends, on that sad note, and obviously things have improved since, but on that sad note, uh, let's finish off with Luke Kelly and we'll have two uh, two renditions by Luke. The first one, a poem that he wrote called Why Died the Sons of Roisin and then the mighty song for Ireland. So, Gnyiri and Ta Libsha Arish August Lori Melatsa Riv Nolug Amor Orov Tamai Bwik Devsha Gulyar Slan August Banakti well, what died the sons of Roshim? Was it fame? For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it fame? For what flowed Ireland's blood and rivers that began when Brian chased the Dane? And it did not cease, nor has not ceased, with the brave sons of sixteen. For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it fame? For what died the sons of Roshim? 
Was it greed for what died the sons of Roshim? Was it greed? Was it greed that drove Wolf Tone to a martyr's death in a cell of cold, wet stone? Will German, French, or Dutch inscribe the epitaph of Emmet? When we've sold enough of Ireland to be but strangers in it, for what died the sons of Roshim? Was it greed? To whom do we owe our allegiance today? To whom do we owe our allegiance today? To those brave men who fought and died that Roshin lived again with pride. Her sons at home to work and sing, her youth to dance and make her valleys ring. Or the faceless men who for mark and the dollar betray her to the highest bidder. To whom do we owe our allegiance today? For what suffer our patriots today? For what suffer our patriots today? They have a language problem, so they say. How to write no trespass must grieve their heartful sore. We got rid of one strange language. Now we're faced with many, many more. For what suffer our patriots today? Walking all the day Near tall towers Where falcons build their nests Silver-winged they fly They know the call of freedom In their breasts Saw blackhead against the sky Where twisted rocks they run to the sea Living on your western shore Saw summer sunsets Asked for more I stood by your Atlantic sea And I sang a song for Ireland Drinking all the day in old pubs where fiddlers love to play Saw one touch the bow He played a reel which seemed so grand and gay Stood on Dingle Beach and cast In wild foam we found Atlantic bass Living on your western shore Saw summer sunsets Asked for more I stood by your Atlantic sea And sang a song for Ireland Ireland 
talking all the day With true friends who try to make you stay Telling jokes and the news Singing songs to while the time away Watch the Galway salmon run Like silver dancing, darting in the sun Living on your western shore Saw summer sunsets, asked for more I stood by your Atlantic sea And I sang a song for Ireland Dreaming in the night I saw a land where no one had to fight Waking in your dawn I saw you crying in the morning light Sleeping where the falcons fly They twist and turn all in your air blue sky Living on your western shore Saw summer sunsets asked for more I stood by your Atlantic sea And I sang a song for Ireland